Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. As a reporter doing stories, there was sort of the blow up earlier this week. And I don't know if you were able to follow all this. Did you Were you able to follow or did it get over to... Uh, Belarus and Latvia, the, the dispute with Jacob Fry, the mayor. I saw that. I saw okay, that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I, I was I was doing that, and I, I guess the problem was that Fry was saying, you know, that they were going to pay for it up front, and that you know the Trump campaign had a target at a contract with AEG, uh, which manages the Target Center for the city. The city owns the Target Center, but they don't manage it. Right. They they hire a company to manage it, um, but they were having. Um, you know, this incredible sort of back and forth, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, the Target Center AEG. Eventually, the Target Center AEG, the managers back down. The Trump campaign, though, when, when you call them as a local reporter here in Minnesota, I called the Trump campaign. We got two interviews with uh, the person who is the national spokesperson for the entire Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they were they could not have been better organized. They were completely accessible. They were wonderful to work with. I mean, they, they were like, absolutely. You know, and, and the, you know, they, they did one interview with us and um, uh, they, they said, you know, well, just, you know, in, in case things change, we'll, we'll, we'll do another interview with you. And it was it was really incredible. You know, the level that they were organized and receptive to our phone calls. I remember back in 2016, you called the Trump campaign and in Washington and you got nothing. Uh, So I I think that they are incredibly organized in terms of boots on the ground and just having, you know, this, this national spokesperson, Kaylee McEnany, as I said, she did two interviews with WCCO TV, you know, via Skype uh, on Wednesday, which was the day that that was all brewing, the day before this was, or no, actually it was Tuesday. It was two days before. But I just thought that was extraordinary. I, I mean, I was really floored at how how responsive they are to, to local questions and local stories because you don't see that. It's pretty rare. Yeah, I was going to say it's very rare. Now, the other thing is I was going to say is that I, even though Jacob Fry probably got a lot of applause locally, and I know nationally some people liked you know, the fact that he was taking on the president, I'm going to argue instead that the president got the better of him. And I think actually what what city of, what Jacob Fry did and what all the protesters did was to fall absolutely into the trap that Donald Trump set for them. You mean with, with the violence? With the violence yes. and everything, because he gets to now run ads talking all about what? Talking all about, you know, radical, know, radicals, et cetera, et cetera, like that. So yeah. he runs against Ilhan Omar, which he did at the, at the rally. He, he can basically run the footage of all these protests and so forth um, that happened. It fits perfectly into his narrative. Um, right. So and so so he he it was like on cue. They did exactly what he was hoping they would do. Right. And and you know it's it's interesting about that because I was there all day. I was there from two o'clock until you know ten fifteen ten ten thirty. I was on the back side of the target center. I didn't see 
any of that. And and I was in the midst of thousands of people. It was one area in one spot where they had most of the protesters. For the most part, it was a very peaceful event. I mean, yes, there were some tensions between people who were obviously not supporting the president and the thousands that were supporting him. But overall, I thought it was a very peaceful event. I think the Minneapolis police did a wonderful job handling what, what I saw, you know, was, was just, a, as I said, a very peaceful event with a lot going on. But uh, I'll tell you what, we do have to take a quick break. We've got to give you some weather because it's – winter came when you left. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I beat you. On Wednesday, Wednesday it snowed in Minsk. And so... It snowed in Minsk. Okay. <laughs> so you, you've already had winter in Minsk. That's okay. Right. All right. Well, let's, let's take a quick break, uh, and we'll give you some weather, and then we'll have more with David Schultz after this. You're listening to News Talk 830. Shout out to Tom Petty and Michelle Bachman there. Good work, Devin. Um, All right, Professor David Schultz, so much to talk about. One thing I specifically wanted to ask you was the arrest and the indictment of two of Rudy Giuliani's associates for allegations of pouring money, uh, illegally funneling money into uh, a a national campaign. Uh, It seems as if that... Is what exactly was going on in that phone call that that president? It seems like that's what President Trump is being accused of by those who would seek to impeach him. And you you've got this criminal case here against these two associates of Rudy Giuliani, who was conducting this uh, sort of shadow foreign policy in, in Ukraine, trying to get dirt on Joe Biden. You know, the president's saying, "Hey, it was perfect. It's not a big deal." But then you, you've got two people who've been arrested for doing what seems awfully similar. No, you're absolutely right. Now, the question becomes at this point, so first off, we seem to have now a, a fact pattern that, as you pointed out here, basically corroborates or supports um, the claims, again, of the whistleblower um, and as well as some other accounts that we're getting. The real question now becomes at some point, it's the tracing back. You know, this is almost like to use the Watergate analogy here in terms of at what point does or, or will it connect back to the president of the United States? I mean, right now, it's still possible for the president to say that these two individuals and maybe even Giuliani were acting on his own. Remember about a year ago when the stories first came out about Michael Cohen, his other attorney, and the payoff you know, or um, to um, to Stormy Daniels, he said, "Well, you know, Michael Cohen's operating on his own. Eventually, we um, we got enough evidence that that did look like it connected the president of the United States, um, that, or Donald Trump at that point. Not he wasn't the president at that point. And the same thing here. It's starting to look more and more um, like there is perhaps some paper trail now that's going to connect Trump to Giuliani, Giuliani to these individuals." And if so, then that that gets us to um, connections of the president being involved in potentially having violated um, several federal laws. Right. And and that's, you know, you, you hear these, you know, reports from the whistleblower saying that there were people in the White House who were listening in on the that call that thought that there was a violation of law. Clearly, the president didn't think so because he, he released the transcript which I think some people in the White House apparently now think was an error to release it that quickly. I think it would have come out eventually. But um, it does seem as if there – it seems as if there's momentum because there seem to be developments all the time. And I think the thing that 
I keep on thinking about is that this is not a criminal process. No. You don't need an actual out-and-out crime that somebody like, you know, you or I might be able to commit. This is a different process. Tell us about that. Sure. Now, there's no question that that you could have parallel impeachment and criminal inquiry at the same time. I mean, we've seen that in past uh, impeachment situations, for example, involving Richard Nixon. Um, but as I like to tell people, the impeachment process it's not a criminal process. It's ultimately a political judgment process. And what I mean by that is that the House of Representatives and the Senate ultimately have to decide whether or not the, the President of the United States in this case um, um, is, is really um, has acted in such a way that he no longer deserves to be President of the United States. Now, in the Constitution, we've got three grounds for impeachment bribery, treason, and high crimes and misdemeanors. The bribery and treason are actually pretty easy in terms of what they mean. But the term high crimes and misdemeanors, um, we imported it from, from roughly, you know, from England, and it's a term that goes back to like the 13 or 1400s. And it can mean real crime, of course, but it, can, but it generally means um, nonfeasance, malfeasance, um, 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 an all-purpose, um, not performing duties or not fit for office. And when that, we look, that's subjective. That is subjective, but the but that's ultimately a subjective determination that has to be made by what a majority of the House of Representatives and two thirds of the U.S. Senate. Um, and 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 that, and that and that's and that and the check on them is of course what re-election or or the elections. But yes, if we actually were to look at not just the the presidents who they try to impeach, but there's been about I think 13 federal judges who have been impeached. Generally, the the reasons why they have been impeached and and with the case of the judges convicted is that it relates to something along the lines of abuse of power. Um, and an abuse of power, again, is a political judgment. And that's really, I think, where the, the impeachment process is going. That, yes, let's say under the worst-case scenario for the president, it's determined that he committed a crime or allegedly committed a crime or his staff or others did. Um, the impeachment process is not about did he actually commit a crime, uh, although the crime may be the basis for impeachment. Okay. Um, in terms of, you know, sort of um, going forward, it, it, you know, one of the things that you hear when you talk to Trump supporters, which I did all, all, all afternoon and early evening on Thursday, I talked to Trump supporters. A lot of them said, well, if they're so gung-ho on impeachment, why won't Nancy Pelosi hold a vote on impeachment? Why? What is the holdup there? Well, I think there's two. One of them, it's timing issue, is that think, think back, for example, to Richard Nixon, for example. Um, you have the, the break-in that occurs in 1972. Congress, you know, right before the election, um, the House Judiciary Committee doesn't start hold, holding hearings until late 73. And it took them until the House, House Judiciary Committee came to a vote. It took well over a year to do this. And the same thing back in 98 with Bill Clinton is that from the time in 
investigations actually started to when they actually take an imp- a vote on impeachment. It doesn't happen in one month. It's not two weeks. Um, it could, in some cases, it could take many, many months, and it could take maybe nine months or more, um, um, 10 months, 11 months, who knows what it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that long. Um, but it's going to take a while to what? Gather the evidence. And given the fact that the President of the United States has also made it clear that he's not going to cooperate, that's going to slow the process down. So I think one is that the the impeachment process takes time because they're gathering information. Same way, I hate to use the criminal analogy here, police, before they make a decision to arrest or a prosecutor makes a decision to indict, there's a long fact-finding stage that goes on. And I know many of us are used to the 60-minute um, law and order show where yes. everything is accomplished you know, you know, in 50, you know, in 50 minutes or something like that, but it takes a lot longer to do. The second answer is, and I did a piece about this recently, uh, I think it was on my blog, or I think I remember where I published it now, where I, a MinPost, MinPost, I did a piece, and I said that if the Democrats were smart, um, they would time the impeachment vote in the House um, for about approximately April or May next year so that the president is impeached and then the Republicans have to make a tough political decision. Do they hold a, not hold a trial? Um, and therefore, the president's running the, tri- for the trial in the Senate. The Senate, right? And and so, and not hold the trial, and the president's running for office, having been impeached but not exonerated. Do they hold a trial? Um, and how might that vote play out in terms of um, politically, both in terms of motivating Democrats and motivating Republicans? And keep in mind that next year there are 35 Senate seats up, 23 are held by Republicans. So there's a lot of calculus is going on here. But even if we just assume, again, for the sake of argument, nothing politically um, nefarious are going on here, uh, like any good investigation, it takes months to gather the evidence and, and, and to be able to get to a point where you can make a decision. All right. Well, listen, we have to take a quick break here. We're chatting with Professor David Schultz. I'm going to ask him about the impact of all this on Joe Biden, obviously, who still appears, well, some people might consider Senator Elizabeth Warren the front runner. He is obviously at least the co-front runner, if not the front runner in the Democratic race. Uh, And also uh, the president's tax returns. There was a ruling on that that did not go the president's way. So keep it here, folks. You're listening to News Talk 830. All right. It's 848 in the Twin Cities, 36 degrees, uh, some snow showers, some rain showers out there, but we're keeping it warm here on News Talk 830. Esme Murphy, along with David Schultz, uh, was just back from uh, Eastern Europe. Let me ask you, the impact of all this on Joe Biden, what are your thoughts about that? And there was an interesting point in the president's rally, uh, which he raised a point, and I thought, well, this is kind of, he's got a point here. He said a new T-shirt needs to be made that says, where's Hunter? We haven't heard from Hunter Biden, who I'd like to hear from. Uh, but what do you think the impact is on the Bidens and, and on, on Joe Biden's candidacy? Well, it shouldn't, there shouldn't be an impact, at least in theory, because for the most part, previous investigations have largely discredited the, um, um, the theory that the president is making regarding um, that the Vice President Biden used his political leverage um, to to basically halt an investigation on his son. So, so in one world, uh, it should have no impact. But in a real world, um, in terms of how politics works, it's it's leading to situations where 
where this information in the news makes it difficult for Biden to get his alternative message out because people keep asking him about it and people want to know about it. That's right. That's right. And no matter how much he responds to it, um, the story doesn't go away, at least in some news services, it doesn't go away. And so I think that's causing a, a, a problem for him in terms of messaging, because he really needs to be able to turn his messaging ability around, because as we know, um, he, you're right, he started off as a huge front runner. He's had several significant, let's say, missteps in terms of not having good presentations or good, good debate performances. And it's all becoming part of a, I think, a a broader narrative about him that's hurting him. How big a deal is this debate on Tuesday? It's a big, it's a big one for for just about everybody. I think at this point, because and, I, and for those of you who don't know, all all the candidates, the Democratic candidates, uh, or all the ones that met certain thresholds, uh, and I believe that there are twelve candidates 12. who will be a part of this debate on CNN on Tuesday night. Uh, Amy Klobuchar made that cut, uh, but it's it's a big debate. People will be tuning in. Yeah, no, I think it's clearly important for all of them because this is going to be. I'm trying to remember now how many more debates we have before the Iowa caucuses at this point. Um, but but this is going to be a critical one. This will be the first one in the fourth quarter financials, uh, first one in a while. Um, I think for everybody, it's going to be important. For Biden, of course. It's going to be critical because he has slipped pretty dramatically in the polls. Um, he's the front runner of more of the more centrist or moderates. Um, and people have a lot of questions with you know all this the Russia investigate or the uh, Ukraine situation. No, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And so so he so he does need to be able to come up with some kind of credible you know credible response to this so he can put the story behind him. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but he needs to do that. All right. Um, you, you mentioned when you know when we were uh, between breaks that that there was a very big t- uh, ruling in a court involving the president's tax returns. Uh, so much is going on with the president that it's hard to keep track of. But there is a process that whereby uh, people are seeking his tax returns, and he lost one. He lost one, and this is one where he he probably will will lose a few more cases too right now because. The settled law right now on a variety of things is against him. You know, he, he, there's both a request from Congress for his tax records and also a request from the, from the New York City um, um, prosecutor for his tax returns. And Trump has tried to fight both of them. And a court of appeals today um, overturned him and said that, guess what? As a matter of law, you know, if a prosecutor wants to get anybody's tax records in the United States, you know, if they, if they, get a, if they have a subpoena for it and, and they meet the legal requirements to, um, to secure those tax records, then it, they're going to have to be turned over. And so at this point, um, barring Supreme Court intervention in the matter, um, somebody's going to get his tax returns in the you know the next few weeks. And and if he and by the way, and if he doesn't turn those over, um, then that's what that's contempt of court, um, and that becomes yet another perhaps um, grounds for impeachment. Uh, the, the the president has indicated he will appeal. How many of these issues that we're kind of dealing with right now do you think will end up eventually? In front of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of which he has already had two appointees. Yeah, I think we're going to see quite a few of them. I also think at this point that Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, does not want to see these cases. 
um, because if we start to see a series of cases, 5-4 Republican-Democrat come down in favor of Trump, uh, the damage to the Supreme Court is going to be absolutely enormous, and Justice Roberts knows this. So I, I can see situations where, where he is going to be, Justice Roberts, is going to be hesitant to want to have these cases brought up. But the rule for the Supreme Court is, is if four of the nine justices vote to hear a case, then um, they can take okay. that case and hear it. But most justices are smart. Um, if they don't think they're going to have five votes for their side, they're not going to take what's called cert or jurisdiction in the case. So we're going to start to see some really critical cases coming down the line. And why this is important, it was a Supreme Court decision that ultimately I think, ended Richard Nixon's chances um, for staying on as a president. Because when the House of Representatives um, and the special prosecutor asked to get the Watergate tapes, the tape recordings of his White House conversations, he took this case all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, wasn't going to turn him over. And then the Supreme Court um, ruled 8-0 against him. And just to bring a little bit of you know, historical context to it, he had appointed Warren Berger um, um, from St. Paul, Minnesota, as Chief Justice. And his Chief Justice that he appointed wrote the, wrote the opinion, majority opinion, actually unanimous decision against him. At that point, once he had lost to the Supreme Court, had to turn the tapes over to Congress. Within just a matter of days, Nixon resigned. Oh. Well, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, the president is going to be fighting against that. I mean, we saw that. And, and the language, I mean, when I covered him in Duluth in June of 2018, the, the Mueller investigation was, was going full force. He he railed against that, but but the intensity and the language and and the passion and the anger that was there uh, from the president at this rally, mm-hmm. uh, there's no comparison between the two. I no, mean, there is, there is no comparison, and the degree to which we're seeing Trump, let us say, fight or resist Congress, um, is very different than we saw with Nixon, and this is what's going to be interesting to see now too, because. For the most part, uh, right now, the law favors Congress uh, from a constitutional perspective, from past precedent, and it will be see how the president can maneuver or how, if at all, he can win on some of these, some of these issues. One of the things he's confronting now is as powerful as the presidency is, Congress, if it decides to use them, has even more powerful tools at its disposal and um, to get what it wants. And what I'm expecting to happen at some point is that one of the lower-level people or several lower-level people um, fearing that if they don't testify are going to be found in contempt of Congress, um, they are going to start to show up and testify. And, and, and that could pose problems for the president if, in fact, there's some underlying problems there. There was, as I was talking to some of my friends in Washington recently, you know, you know I'm a law professor, you know, I teach law, and they were telling me that right now, among a lot of people, there's an enormous scramble in Washington, D.C. to hire defense attorneys. All right. Well, listen, David Schultz, I'm so glad that you could join us. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, great. A lot to talk about in in the future. Yes, there is. And we'll be back on quite a few Saturdays. I Absolutely. Uh, next Saturday included. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Uh, it was great to be back on this Saturday night. I really have enjoyed it. Thank you, Devin. Uh, it was great to see you again, not just hear you with Dave Lee. You're sounding great, uh, doing a great job. And then also super shout out to uh, Susan Blanche, 
who had to scramble to put this show together because I wasn't sure that we were going to have a show. And then uh, I wasn't sure that that, uh, David Schultz could join us. And he was able to, and he was fabulous as always. But I really appreciate all that she had to do and the maneuvering and the last-minute maneuvering. So, Susan, thank you. You're fabulous. I really appreciate it. Uh, Have a wonderful, wonderful Saturday evening. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 